I have such a cool show planned for you today. A little something a little bit different. I'm going to be taking you on a tour of my favorite five content creation tools. You know, I was looking, we we posted our newsletter, posted, we posted our newsletter or, or finished writing our newsletter this week. And as I was checking it out, I realized it took me like three minutes to go through and check all of the links to all of the content that we create here at Dotto Tech. And I wrote back to April who works with me on the newsletter and I said, holy cow, we really create a lot of content here at Dotto Tech. She goes, yes, we do. She wrote me back going, yes, we do. And I took a step back, kind of patted myself on the back for that because I'm proud of all the content we create, but I recognize that we've got a great team, but we also have some great tools that make this all happen. So I bet people would be interested in the tools that really help me create the content or help us create the content that we publish on a weekly basis here between Dotto Tech and Gray Matters. And that is two featured videos usually per week on YouTube. We do Webinar Wednesday, which is a huge undertaking where we do a tutorial webinar each week where we create instructional content. Then we have this weekly podcast that we create here. We have Gray Matters Unscripted, our weekly live stream, which we stream every Friday. And then we also do another live stream for a client called Just Between You and Me with Steve Dotto, which we have started to stream every Wednesday. So we create a lot of content and not just that content, but we also have to create all of the supporting graphics, all of the posts, all of the blogs that are attached. So all in all, I think it might be too much now that I think about it, it might be too much, but as long as we can still keep doing it and the community keeps appreciating it, we will continue to strive to create this much content. But today on the podcast, I'm going to share with you five tools. Now they're not necessarily all the tools that you might expect but they're the tools that I think are real linchpin tools that allow us to create this content. And they're ranked in kind of my favorite order of the ones that I think make the biggest difference for us and have helped us out the most. So today on Gray Matters, my top five content creation tools. Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for those of us in the gray zone. What is the gray zone? Primarily baby boomers and Gen X, those of us sporting a touch of gray. We're interested in finding our place in the digital age. On this podcast, we will learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, all from our perspective. The world's changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore. We're facing the prospect of a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need a side hustle to take our experience and put it to work for us. We need to develop mad skills, adapt, and evolve in order to remain relevant in the digital age. I can help. This podcast can help. I'm glad you found us. Just before I share my list of my five top content creation tools, just a little bit of housekeeping. Now, one of the things that I really kind of struggle with on the podcast is getting enough feedback from the community, making sure that the content that I'm creating is on point for you, our community. So if you've not yet joined us in our Facebook group, The Gray Zone, I'm going to encourage you to go down into the description, click on The Gray Zone, and join us in our Facebook group. That's the best place to give me feedback on what you want to hear more of on this podcast or offer thoughts on the topics that we cover on this podcast. The Gray Zone on Facebook at the current time is the community where all of the conversation happens between you and I and other members of the Gray Wave. So I'm going to invite you and encourage you 
to join us in that Facebook group. And before we go on, I also have to send out a special thanks to all of our patrons. I want to do a quick shout out to those of you who make this podcast, heck, to the entire Dottotech platform possible. And that is our community of support on Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding service. It's similar to Kickstarter, but for content creators like me. And we've got an amazing community who support us financially, making it possible for us to create this podcast, our weekly tutorials on Webinar Wednesday, our YouTube videos, pretty much everything that we create. So I'm asking you to consider supporting us. There are perks, and the perks are terrific. For our $10 a month patrons, which is the vast majority, the perks include access to our Webinar Wednesday archives, where we have over 100 tutorial webinars on productivity, online marketing, and content creation. And our latest perk is free access to our online course, Don't Retire, Rewire, which teaches baby boomers and Gen X what their online options are for reinventing themselves instead of retiring. The links are all in the show notes below, or just remember, patreon.com slash dottotech. Once again this week, I want to take a few moments and welcome our newest members into the our Patreon community. And there are so many, it, it, since the COVID epidemic hit, we've seen a real increase in the amount of support that we've been getting from the community, which means the world to us. So I'm going to welcome Tara and Marvin, Peggy and Lawrence, Kathleen, Jeff, Greg, Ronald, Julie, Wendell, Gary, Diane, Marcia, Fred, John, Ron, Andrew, and Arjan. Uh, there'll be a list of everybody in the show notes. We're going to add the uh, add the thanks to our show notes now to make sure that we uh, that, that we acknowledge the support that we're getting from the community. Uh, but from all of us here at Dottotech and Gray Matters, just thank you so much. Your support means the world to us. It's time for us to now take a look at my top five content creation tools, the tools that make me happy, that bring joy to my life and help me create the content that we create for both the Dotto Tech channel and for the Gray Matters podcast. Let's get into it. My number five tool is kind of a guilty pleasure, if the truth be told. The app is called Bitmoji, and it's not even a, an, an application you can install on your computer. It is a keyboard that you install on your smartphone. Now, how in the world can a smartphone keyboard that's really kind of frivolous be one of your key productivity apps, Steve, for creating your content? That's a good question, and I'm not sure I have that great an answer other than it makes me happy. It helps to inspire me to create more content because it well, it makes me happy. So here's what Bitmoji is. Bitmoji are those little cartoon characters, caricatures of us that we create. And we create this. It, this, it comes from Snapchat is where it comes from originally. And it's, as I say, it's a keyboard that you install and you modify the appearance of the character to match up to you. And uh, I didn't actually do it myself. My uh, my partner's daughter did it. Uh, it, it. It turns out much better. It, it turns out kids are much better at creating these animated characters, or at least not animated, these caricatures than we are. But it absolutely has nailed me. And if you've seen any of our content, you've seen it. We use the bitmojis in our thumbnails all the time. It's a little cartoon characters for me. Now, why is that a tool that helps me create more content? Obviously, it gives us a little bit of artwork that we can incorporate. 
But what it does is knowing that I've got a piece of art, a, a graphic that supports the content that I'm creating helps in my mind to kind of entrench the process. It makes me a little bit more excited about delivering it, knowing that I've got a piece of content that is that I'm going to be happy with as it goes out. And it, this might not make sense to you, but it does to me. It adds energy to the entire process. Having something that I like to incorporate, even if it's just a small little accent piece. When you're a content machine, when you're creating a lot of content, every little bit of whimsy helps. Every bit of inspiration helps. And so the Bitmoji keyboard and the ability to incorporate the Bitmoji graphics within our different artwork that we use to create, uh, that, that we use when we deliver our content, it just, it really helps me with the process. And there's some practical aspects too. What you need to realize that when you install the Bitmoji app, and, and we've got a video, I'll, I'll link to the video in the, in the show notes. But when you install the Bitmoji app on your smartphone, you can also install a Chrome extension into your browser, which then goes to the same file of different characters, and you can then access them on your computer. You can't create new looks. You can't modify your character on your computer, but you can grab different images, different Bitmoji scenes, as it were, and you can put them and you can copy and paste them from your computer. So I'm often using that function when I'm creating slideshows for different presentations. And I do a lot of supportive slideshows and a lot of the different live streaming content we do and with the webinars we do. So when I'm creating that, it gives me, again, a tool that allows me to add energy, adds a little bit of uh, humor, adds some engagement to the slides as I'm creating them. So a surprise, uh, surprise ranking at number five product for me is the tool Bitmoji. Once again, there will be links in the description, both to the app and also to a video that we created a few months back on how to use Bitmoji. So you'll get a better idea of it if you are unaware of it. Number four on my list is probably a little bit more traditional. It's what you might expect me to be talking about as far as content creation tools. And that would be Evernote, my the heart of my productivity system. Now, at Dottotech, we have built a lot of our channel around actually teaching people how to use Evernote. It is a note-taking app that I call my digital bank account. It's where I store all the little bits of data that I need. And the key is that I can retrieve them when I need it. That's why I call it a bank account. You do all these deposits of little bits of information that you gather from here and there. And Evernote is the one place you store them. And then you go back and you withdraw them from Evernote. That's the where the bank metaphor comes from. Now, as far as content creation goes, here's the thing that I believe content creators have in common is we are constantly in search of ideas. We're constantly in search of muse, of different stories that we can convert into our content. Very little do we come up with completely originally ourselves, if anything, in fact. I, I don't know if I've ever had an original thought in my life when it comes to content, but I have read so much and consumed so much from others, and now I regurgitate it through my lens, and uh, that's what the content that I deliver to my community. It's pretty much the process that we all go through. So what Evernote does for me in that particular case is whenever I'm finding an interesting tidbit, something that I could possibly build a piece of content around, I store it in Evernote immediately and it's become a habit. It's become a simple habit and I do it 
all the time. And there's a tool that's part of the Evernote family that makes that really easy, and that is the Evernote Web Clipper. Now, of course, we will have links to videos on both Evernote. As a matter of fact, we have a mini course on Evernote that if you haven't yet used it, you can sign up for it. It's free. It takes you through what I call the Evernote Quick Start, which gets people started in Evernote and teaches you the value of it in a very quick and concise fashion. So that will all be in the show notes as well as links to videos that we've done on the Evernote Web Clipper, which I find to be just an incredibly valuable tool. Now, what the Web Clipper is, is it's a browser extension. It lives within Chrome or any browser on your computer. And anytime you stumble across a piece of information, you simply use the Evernote Web Clipper to grab that information and it stores it in your Evernote account. Uh, you can tag it. You can make sure that you identify it as an idea that you can then go back to look at later. And that is how I craft and create and build my content. Evernote are the seeds that I plant. They kind of bounce around in my mind <laughs> rather than having me to have to remember them all. They're all stored in Evernote. And the process that I go through is actually kind of interesting. I go back on a regular basis, maybe a couple times a week. I'm in Evernote just browsing through the different notes I have and seeing the different ideas. And if something catches my imagination, I'll open that note. And I frankly, half the time have forgotten how much research I've done on that topic. But I look at the notes. I look at what I've added to that note. And I perhaps do a little bit more research on it, go out on the web, grab a few more little elements to add to it. Maybe I craft an opening or craft a title for a video with it. And over time, I slowly iterate this note to the point where when I open it one day, I look at it and go, that's ready to make a video. And at that point there, it transitions into our content system. But it's a, it's a kind of a maturation process of each idea. And it all starts with something that I clip off the web, I clip off of a news item that I store in Evernote, or I make a note of, and I just put in Evernote. And then over a period of time, I add. Now that can happen rapidly. It could happen over the course of a couple of hours from the first time I see an idea. Or sometimes it takes weeks or even months before an idea eventually gets mature enough that I'm ready to create content on it and post it. But this is done through Evernote. Now, Evernote is not the only tool that will work for people in this space. Pocket is another tool that people has a, has a great web clipper. Pocket allows you to store information. Now, it's not something that you would necessarily do quite as much crafting of the content as I am doing with Evernote, but you can certainly capture information, gather information for future reading, and use it as a great research tool, which is part of that content process. Of course, OneNote uh, in the Microsoft space, if you happen to live in the Microsoft world, is very similar to Evernote, right down to the Web Clipper, and you can do all the things that I was talking about with Evernote with OneNote. Increasingly, people can do it in Apple Notes or in Google Keep. There's lots of other note-taking applications that are really, and I think they're almost misnamed because I don't think we use them as notebooks where we're making notes and creating the content ourselves as much as they are clipbooks or scrapbooks where we're grabbing information and storing them within that environment. But that to me is the number four valuable product in my content creation hierarchy of top five products.
My number three tool is really a post-production tool, a tool that I use once I've created the main content. And that is a product called InVideo, which is a video editing package, a cloud-based video editing package that allows us to take content that we create and quickly create promotional content from it to create little videos that we're going to promote on Twitter or, or on Instagram or in Facebook that, that highlight the content that we've created and share it in a really compelling way. Now, InVideo is designed, it's a full video editing package. You could actually create longer videos. You could even do little tutorial videos in it, et cetera. It does all of those things. But where I believe its strength is, is in the templates that it gives us and the fact that we can create a promotional video. So let's say I've done a video on Evernote. What we can do with in video is once that video has been created for Evernote for YouTube, we want to then promote it on Facebook. We want to promote it on Instagram. We want to promote it in Twitter. Well, we don't want to take the whole video and post it into those locations because that's not where people are looking for it. What we're looking for is a preview, a teaser that we can post into the different social platforms that will cause people to be interested in the content that we're going to cover and perhaps come and read the blog or watch the video or download the podcast. So it's all about creating social sharing content across a variety of platforms. Now, the strength of in video for me is number one, there's a series of templates and a whole bunch of licensed clip media, such as graphics and music that you can use to quickly craft a really nice promo piece. So even if you don't have a lot of digital assets yourself, you can use in video to create, to, to still create a very compelling preview or a promo video. The second thing that I really like about it is once you've created the content, once you've created the narrative, the kind of the story that you're going to tell, which is the promo piece, it allows you to reformat that content very quickly for the different platforms. So you can create a video that you designed for Facebook, which will be a landscape style video and quickly recreate that as a square video that you may be posting in Instagram. So having that ability to quickly convert the content for the platform that you're going to be sending it to is another boon within video. And also just the simplicity of the creation process. If a tool is difficult to use, if you spend a lot of time thinking about where this feature is or where that feature is within any tool that you use, you tend to lose the creative process and it becomes a mechanical process of kind of getting past how you do this transition as opposed to, I want this transition to happen so that I can move the story from this point to this point in this promo video. In video of all of the tools that I've used of this sort is the best at helping us create that narrative, getting out of the way as far as technically speaking and providing us with the technical, uh, the, the technical tools that we need to easily create the content. So our energy goes into the narrative, goes into the creative part, not the mechanical part of creating a video. So in video is my third of my top five content creation tools. In at number two is really the kissing cousin of NVIDIA and that is Canva. 
Canva has come such a long way as a graphics tool from its early days, which was as a simple template-based tool that you could use to create Instagram posts or tweets. But they've really matured the product now where the number of templates they have, the ease of use of creating graphics within it, and also the sharing, the the uh, the, the company-based tools that allow you have one person create the content as templates and have other people modify that content and use it for publishing and kind of getting out of the way of the publishing process. All of those things has, have made Canva to us now an essential tool. Now, let, let me take you kind of in the Wayback Machine. When we used to create videos and when we used to create content for Dottotech, part of the process would be creating the graphic stills, the thumbnail images for the YouTube videos, the thumbnail images for the blog posts, uh, the social posts, obviously the Instagram posts and the tweets that would promote the content. And that was always done. Liz, we have a, we have a small team here in place and Liz would create those graphics using Photoshop, which is pretty much the way that most people do that sort of thing is in Photoshop. Then Liz would then take that Photoshop file and she would export it, uh, would export the graphics and they would be in a Dropbox folder for me to grab as I'm creating the blog post or for us to upload to YouTube for the video for the thumbnail. But here was the challenge with that. All of the PSD files, all of the Photoshop files lived on Liz's computer. Liz was the uh, kind of the owner of Photoshop. Most of us didn't use Photoshop. I, I can use it, but I don't typically have it installed on my computer. So if I needed to make a change to the file, change the title a little bit, change the date, change any information on that, on that graphic, I would then have to create a new docket for Liz to create the content. And Liz lives in London. I live in Vancouver. So if I was at two o'clock in the afternoon, wanted to make a change, one little change in a graphic before I wanted, and I wanted to complete my tasks on it that afternoon, I would have to wait till the next morning to get the graphics sent to me because it was already 10 o'clock at night for Liz or eight o'clock at night, but she had signed off. She wasn't going to be available to do it. So even if she, even if she could turn it around very quickly, which she could do, she wouldn't because she wasn't available. So I'd be sitting there twiddling my thumbs. Now, one workaround is for everybody to have Photoshop on their computer, which gets fairly expensive in a company-wide basis. But also, we all necessarily don't have the same fonts that the designer has installed. So if I don't have the same fonts that Liz was using in that particular graphic, just there was lots of little headaches that came as a result. Fast forward to a few years ago, we decided to move off of the Photoshop standard onto the Canva standard. Now I was a little bit concerned because I always thought of Canva as kind of a Mickey Mouse type graphics tool, but Liz assured me that we could do everything we wanted in it. And so now what happens is Liz designs all of our graphics. Sometimes she does some of the design work in Photoshop, but it all ends up in Canva. Now, if you don't have a designer on the team, Canva has a wealth of templates that you can work with even in the free version. And if you go to the paid version, there is so much more included, including clip media, etc. Having said that, Liz sets up all of our different graphic templates and she puts them into folders so that I go in and if I'm doing a podcast, if I'm doing this podcast episode now, when I'm finished editing this podcast and I'm ready to create the blog post for it and I'm ready to upload it into our podcast platform and I need the supporting graphics that each of those platforms requires, I just go into Canva and there we have the templates for the cover art for this podcast. I change the title myself, I change the date or the episode number myself, and I have probably six to eight choices of different graphic covers 
for the podcast that I can choose from. So I pick my own, it's self-serve. I finish it off, but it's all designed by Liz. It's got all of our fonts that we want in place. It's got the proper colors. It's got all of our branding that we want to have in place. I just uh, modify the, it, the, the, uh, the thumbnail or the image myself, download it, and then attach it to whatever social document I'm creating or whatever publishing document I'm creating. It streamlines our process so much. And Liz constantly goes in and updates and modifies the templates so that we then have access to fresh content as we go. Similarly, she still designs a lot of our most important graphics herself. For example, she will do all of the thumbnails that we do for YouTube, a very important part of our marketing, but she stores them rather than in Dropbox where I'd have to go through and find them by name. They're all stored within Canva so I can go and I can look at it. And if I do need to make a change, if I've if, if I do need to make a change to the existing graphic that she's created, I can do that. Very seldom do I ever need to, but I can because we don't need the application. We just open it in Canva. It could make any changes that we want to it. So Canva for us has streamlined the process of publishing once we're finished the creating the content and we're ready to start polishing that content and preparing it for publishing. Canva has become a huge benefit to us all, saving us time, improving our quality, and actually in a big way, it reduces the stress level because I don't have to worry as much about have I ordered all of the right assets that I need for this piece of content before it's finished? Because I know that often I can just jump in and I can create it myself from the templates that Liz has created. So the number two tool for us uh, as far as content creation of my favorites is Canva. And the number one product in my top five products for content creation. And that one is a no brainer for me. It is such an easy decision for me to have this product as number one, because this is the product that I have built the Dottotech YouTube channel on. And that product is called ScreenFlow. It is a screencasting tool that we use to create all of our videos. And I used to use to create from the very beginning of the channel. Now, what is screencasting? It's a type of video editing software that allows you to record multiple different streams at a time. You can record your camera, the webcam in my case, or another camera that's connected. You can record the audio in real time, so it's a recording tool, but while it's recording your video and your audio, it's also recording what's happening on your computer screen, and that could be so many different things. It could be a slideshow that you're playing. It could be a demo of the software with you actually moving your mouse around the screen and recording that in real time. It turns your computer screen into another character in the movie that you're creating or in the video that you're creating. And screencasting is at the heart of the demo type product that we do on the Dottotech channel. Now I've got the special affinity for screencasting because I'm gonna take you again in the way back machine to way, way back to when we started doing our very first TV shows. Back in the 90s, when I started to do, teach people about computers on television, there were some huge technical hurdles that we had to overcome because we wanted to be able on our TV show to be able to show people what happened 
on the computer to teach them how to click on this button or how to invoke this process. And back in those days, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, I'm hoping most of you are, but if you recorded the computer screen with a, t with a television camera, you ended up with a humbar that would scroll through the, would scroll through the screen. Because back in those days, we were on CRT monitors, we were on cathode ray tube monitors that had a refresh rate. And that, so the, and the cameras recording were recording to videotape. And the sync and the, 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 the timing difference between the videotape that was being recorded and the refresh rate of the monitor was different. And what happened was there would, there would be this bar that would crawl through uh, and scroll up and down that you couldn't see with the naked eye, but the camera picked up when you recorded video. It was a real problem and it was a pain in the ass to be perfectly honest. Well, we were concerned that we wanted that computer screen to be another character in our television show. We wanted to be able to show people how you click on the save button and how you say yes. We wanted that to happen as we were showing. It's what I do now. If you watch any of our YouTube videos, you see I'm often diving into the software and showing things. And now it's standard. Everybody does it. But back in the day, nobody did it because of these technical issues. To be honest, we were so concerned with eliminating that humbar and making the computer uh, a co-star of the TV show that we actually built and engineered our own system where we could sync the timing of the computer monitor to the timing that we had within the within the television studio and timed it in through the control room. We actually MacGyvered video cards to change the timing on the video card to have the same sync timing as the big, huge studio Ikigami cameras. Remember those cameras that you would see on the big pedestals in the old time TV shows? We actually timed it with the, the those cameras so that the feed coming through the camera, which we would film them with those big cameras, is by pointing them directly at the screen, we would record it and by time, by, by syncing the timing, we could eliminate that humbar. And we were, when was it? It was 1993, I think was the first year we did this. 1993, we were recording television shows where we had that sync happening and we could show the computer screen. And we actually won some awards of excellence in educational television as a result of doing this. But we spent thousands of dollars making this happen. Well, today, with a tool like ScreenFlow, uh, which is about $150 turn, uh, installed in your Mac, I can do all of that that I did in the past and more where we actually can, when you're ed editing the video after you've recorded it, you can actually do camera moves on the screen. You can zoom in, you can zoom out, you can highlight where the mouse clicks. You can do all of these additional things to the video in a tool like ScreenFlow. Now, ScreenFlow is a Mac-only product. It's only for the Macintosh. Uh, but on the Windows world, there is a tool called Camtasia, which is virtually identical. And in fact, Camtasia is cross-platform. You can get Camtasia for the Mac or for the PC. Now, Camtasia costs about two times as much as ScreenFlow. Uh, and it's not the tool that I started with. That's why I'm using ScreenFlow. If I'd started with Camtasia, I'm sure I'd be just as happy and it would be my number one product. But in my case here, ScreenFlow is the number one product. Now, I'm going to include as well in the description links to how we make our videos so you can see the process that we use ScreenFlow for. And there are other less capable products that will allow you to do screencasting as well. As a matter of fact, we just did a video a couple of weeks ago on a tool called Loom, which is great for teachers and allows them to do simple screencasting without all of the fancy editing stuff that we do. So there's lots of different options now to capture your computer screen at the same time as you're capturing your video and your audio presentation. 
But screencasting for me is, the reason it's number one is we've built our entire business on it. The Dotto Tech brand is built because of the Dotto Tech YouTube channel, which is all how-to videos. Every single video on that channel I recorded using screencasting software and editing it within that screencasting software and then publishing it to the web. I, I look at it now and I, I often joke that my entire television studio has been replaced by USB ports and everybody I know is now a USB cable uh, that's attached to my computer. But to me, it just blows my mind that what we spent thousands of dollars and I had a studio crew of nine people working so hard to create the narrative and the story around how a piece of software works back in the mid 90s. I do it all now on a fairly inexpensive computer. Almost any Macintosh or desktop PC will work with a very inexpensive piece of software between $150 and $300 for the software and a couple of additional pieces of hardware like a webcam and a decent microphone. And I can do everything that we used to do in that television studio and convey the same amount of information effortlessly. I'm just, I'm still just always blown away. So is it any wonder? That ScreenFlow is my number one choice as my top content productivity tool or my top content creation tool. I actually found putting together this week's podcast a lot of fun. It was it's it was good a good exercise for me to take a step back and think about the tools that I appreciate that make a real difference and dive into why those tools work. We often take these tools for granted. We take our process for granted and how we go about creating content. And when I kind of looked at what we do here at Dottotech, I got to say, I'm proud of how much content we create here. I'm proud of the fact that we actually create a couple of videos per week, a podcast per week, a webinar per week, and one or two live streams per week. That is a heck of a lot of content. And I recognize that it doesn't just take the talent of our team, but it also takes some really incredible technology to facilitate that and make that happen. And those are the tools that I, that popped to mind that make it work for me. Bitmoji, which is a little bit frivolous, a little bit of fun, but it does add the energy and it does help me with the confidence to move ahead on so much of it, especially uh, with our live content. Evernote, which I would be completely lost without. It's every every single video, every podcast, every post we've made began as an Evernote note and then evolved within Evernote until the point it was ready to move into our publishing routine or system. Then in video, which is a fairly new addition to our mix, but really adds so much value because every piece of content we create, one thing about every piece of content you create, if you work hard on that content, it is your job to celebrate that content to the world. Nobody is going to promote your product for you. And in video is the single best uh, promotion engine that we have for reaching out to the social networks and letting them know that we have a compelling piece of content that they should be consuming. Canva, which streamlines our graphic creation process and really stops all of the little roadblocks and the little hiccups that stop projects in their tracks for 24 or 48 hours until a graphic designer can step in and give me the piece of content I want. Canva steps in uh, along with that graphic designer and a good publishing process and allows us to just stay on track and keep trucking ahead with our heavy duty production schedule. And finally, 
the piece of software that really began my online journey as far as being a content creator, and that is ScreenFlow, which allows me to record my computer screen along with my video and my audio all at the same time, and then edit that and package it into a story that people are interested to see on YouTube that teaches them whatever I happen to be teaching that day. That's a pretty good list, I think. That is a pretty darn good list. Now, before we wrap things up, I've got a few favors to ask of you. First, if you've not yet subscribed to this channel on the podcast platform of choice that you're listening to, please subscribe. And if you are so inclined, a review is so helpful for helping other people know that this podcast is worthwhile. And while I'm speaking about that, if you know of other baby boomers and Gen Xers, people who are looking to up their skills in the online space, invite them to participate in this podcast and listen. The best, the best uh, marketing that I have here for Gray Matters is you, our Gray Matters community. Let your friends, let your peers, let your relatives who are in the gray zone know about Gray Matters and help me get the word out that we have a big future online and we are going to have a massive impact on the online community. Yes, indeed, the gray wave is coming and we're all part of it. Till next time, I am Steve Dotto. Have fun storming a castle.